0: something stuck with me that has uh, brought me back to jeremiah chapter 23 over and over and over again for the last 10 years and i was in this pastor's office and was you know we were just doing our introductions talking a little bit about family and he had something on his wall that i've never seen anywhere else um and it was, it was really shocking to me that he had it on his wall in his pastor's office. And it was a big picture of a field with some sheep in it. And in huge letters, the scripture, Jeremiah 10, 21, For the shepherds are stupid, and do not inquire of the Lord. Therefore they have not prospered, and all their flock is scattered. It uh, ministered to me that right in front of his desk, every time he sat there was this huge picture in front of him of this verse. And um, he and I share a very similar heart for taking what we do with a sense of extreme caution. And so tonight I want us to look at Jeremiah 23, where Jeremiah really Digs into um, what is going on here with these uh, prophets, these pastors, these shepherds, these priests, and um, you know, really, the reason I've never preached this message is because it feels like when I get up, if I time I've ever thought about it, it feels like well, this doesn't apply to anybody hardly in the room except me and a small few that are, you know, um, called to be pastors. But um, I want to share it with you tonight anyways i want to, I want to give you a little bit of insight into my heart, and if anything, um, maybe give you a greater sense of how you need to be praying for your pastor, uh, how we need to be praying for God to raise up pastors, what kind of pastors we need to be leading god's people, that type of thing. and so Um, I just was led here today and want to share it with you tonight. Um, I want to read verse 1, Jeremiah 23 and verse 1. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Let's open up in a word of prayer. Father, tonight we come to your word. And I ask right now, Lord, before we even get to the message, that right now there would be a sense of awakening in our spirits of the sacredness of your word. We're getting ready to open up your word. It's holy, it's living. It is like none other. Father, your word has power to save. You reveal yourself to us, your heart, your intentions, your desires, your very nature, who you are through this holy book. And tonight we come to it with a sense of awe and a sense of wonder, a sense of fear, a sense of expectation. And Lord, we ask that You'd give us understanding tonight of Your Word. God, I do pray You'd help me to preach accurately in the power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. Speak to us tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep. Of my pasture declares the Lord. We're going to go down to verse nine, and um, mainly for sake of time. But all of Jeremiah twenty-three, it says the same basic thing over and over and over again. When you go to Jeremiah ten and verse twenty-one, that verse that I read, um, you know, it's 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 clear what God is saying. It, but when you get to an entire chapter where God says the same thing ten different ways, it really does give you the picture of somebody that's furious. that They've already said what they need to say, but it's not out yet. And so they're going to say it again from another angle, and it's still not out yet. So they're going to say it again from another angle, and, it, and we, we hear the heart of God concerning His attitude towards these people spiritual leaders that he is tasked with caring for his people. And so we're going to go down to verse 9 and look at um, this. Concerning the prophets, my heart is broken within me, all my bones shake. I am like a drunken man, like a man overcome by wine because of the Lord and because of his holy words. For the land... Is full of adulterers. Because of the curse, the land mourns and the pastures of the wilderness are dried up. Number one, notice that God compares his people and his spiritual leaders, pastors, prophets, priests, shepherds, he compares them compares isn't even the right word he calls them adulterers we see that our god has this holy jealousy for his people he says your love belongs to nobody else but me that's what god says to us he says i am worthy of all of your love and yet the land it is filled with adultery Now here's the theme that we see while God is absolutely chastising His spiritual leaders here in Jeremiah 23, we see that the land suffers. We see this spiritual principle that it is not possible for a people to rise above their leadership. So when the head is sick, the body is sick. When the shepherds don't shepherd, the sheep are scattered. The land mourns. The pastures of the wilderness are dried up. These are general terms about the people, their life. And here's what we see. The quality or lack thereof of solid Bible teaching impacts the culture as a whole. When the shepherds don't shepherd, when the preachers don't preach, when the pastors don't pastor, when the prophets don't prophesy, when the teachers don't teach, accurately, the Word of God, the culture, suffers. We, if there's anything that we need in in America, I'm convinced it is a... It is a revival in the pulpit. That's what, it's what, it's where it's going to start. Preachers that get some guts, that are willing to stand up and preach the truth, thus says the Word of God. And I am convinced that people are hungry for it. We see the general reason that the sheep are scattered, I'm getting ahead of myself, but it's because of the, it's because of the shepherds, it's not because of the sheep. You can't just blame the people. Let's move. Their course is evil, and their might is not right. Both prophet and priest are ungodly. Even in my house I have found their evil, declares the Lord. Both prophet and priest are ungodly, even in my house. How important is it? to know that we know that we know that God sees the evil that happens in his house and God will deal with it. He will absolutely deal with it. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he reap. God is furious because at the very top, prophet and priest, they're ungodly, they're adulterers, and it is ultimately this cancer that is, has begun permeating to the rest of the people. Therefore, their way shall be to them like slippery paths in the darkness into which they shall be driven and fall. For I will bring disaster upon them in the year of their punishment, declares the Lord. When I read passages like that, it really helps to keep me in a place of humble fear. The Bible teaches that to whom much is given, much is required. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but uh, the whole entire passage is all about the same thing. Look at verse 30. Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets. What a terrifying thought to think that God is against you. I would not want to be on the wrong side of this line. I don't care if the whole world goes that way. I don't care if nine out of ten pastors are playing games in a time like this. I would be scared to death. And I'm telling you, we're living in a time where there's there's this coldness sweeping the nation in our churches. There's this coldness in the pulpit where there is not a fear of God. There is the sense that as long as you're in church, as long as you are, you know, christian e, that there's no way God could be against you. And the reality is God holds us to a greater standard when He has tasked us with leading His people, preaching His Word. Verse 13, In the prophets of Samaria I saw an unsavory thing. They prophesied by Baal... And led my people Israel astray. But in the prophets of Jerusalem, I've seen a horrible thing. They commit adultery and walk in lies. They strengthen the hands of evildoers so that no one turns from his evil. All of them have become like Sodom to me, and it's inhabitants like Gomorrah. Let's unpack verses thirteen and fourteen. God saw it. And I don't like it, but look at these words led my people Israel astray. At the end of the day, we can preach and preach and preach and preach that you need to be studying your Bibles. And you should. But there is this God-ordained place in His body, in His design, where a huge chunk of what you learn is meant to be taught to you by pastors. It's just a fact. When you look at Nehemiah, I think it's chapter 10, and Ezra brings the Word and begins to teach it. it. It says this interesting statement that he taught it, in such a way where he translated it so that everybody could understand. And it teaches us that there are certain concepts, there are certain things in Scripture that the mass majority of people will only learn as they are taught by their spiritual leaders. And it doesn't matter that... We can argue all day long that everybody should be reading the Bible themselves and they should know for themselves and they should be the great Bereans that are taking every word. That's great, and they should, but they don't. Some do, but it's a very small sum. And so if the majority of the church learns the majority of its living from what comes from the pulpit. And this puts what we do, when we those that God is tasked with teaching and preaching the Word of God in such an incredibly important place. We better get it right. We better teach it straight. And here's the reality. When we don't, the people of God are led astray. And make no mistake about it, God will hold each person accountable for their straying But notice that he holds accountable the shepherds. He says, I've seen where my people are. They're all living like they shouldn't be. They're all astray. And it's your fault because you have not led them correctly. You have not preached to them the truth. You have lied to them. Now look at this sentence in the end of verse 14. They strengthen "...the hands of evildoers, so that no one turns from his evil." Now, this is a um, figure of speech. What's being communicated here is that what these prophets and priests are preaching, it's actually emboldening sinners to continue in their sin. It's giving them such a sense of confidence that no harm is going to come to them that it has strengthened their resolve or their hand. It has strengthened their resolve to just press forward in their wicked, evil living. I'll tell you one thing that encourages this preacher the same stuff we're dealing with, Jeremiah was. It's not new. And the answer is still the same. We didn't live in Jeremiah's day, so we went there to see those people living like fools and, and hear all the weak preaching. And so a lot of times all that we have is our day. And we look around our day and we're like, ah, it's terrible, it is terrible, it's gross. Some of the stuff that goes out is exactly what's happening right here. And people in the church are being strengthened encouraged to believe that their wicked, evil living, their sinful lifestyle will have no consequences whatsoever. And the very preacher who should be turning them the other way is actually strengthening their resolve, giving them great encouragement that nothing is wrong. Now why? I think there's a lot of reasons why, and I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on it tonight, but in a nutshell, we have this New Testament kind of insight that ultimately people want to heap to themselves teachers that will tell them what they want to hear. Nobody wants to hear they need to turn. Nobody wants to hear they need to repent. What you want to hear is you can do what you want to do. Yeah, we know it's sin. You know it's sin. We all got our sin. But thank God for grace, and the good news is you don't got to turn from it. You don't got to stop. God just loves you so much. He just wants to make you happy and blessed. And all of a sudden, we've got a bunch of friends. Now, there's a preacher of grace. There's somebody who gets it. No. Actually, that's not the truth at all. There's a coward in front of you doesn't have enough guts to tell you the truth because he's afraid he's going to offend you. And as we see in Jeremiah 23, this is God's view of it. I mean, he is furious. He is frustrated. Verse 15, Therefore, says the Lord of hosts concerning the prophets, Behold, I will feed them with bitter food and give them poisoned water to drink. For from the prophets of Jerusalem, ungodliness has gone out into all the land. God says it again. I'm telling you, He repeats Himself over and over again. It started with the prophets. This ungodliness that's permeating our land, it's the fault of the pulpit. It's the fault of the people who have been tasked with preaching the truth, but refuse to preach the truth. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you, filling you with vain Hopes. They speak visions of their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. They say continually to those who despise the word of God, it shall be well with you. And to everyone who stubbornly follows his own heart, they say, no disaster shall come upon you. Man. Some things really do never change. I mean, this, this, is, this is us, and yet this was written thousands of years ago, but this, this is like us right now in our country. This is American Christianity today. We're, we're, we're fighting the same problems, and there are a multitude. It's one of the things that, about being a preacher that will, that will truly preach it straight and call sin, sin. You're, you're in the extreme mi- minority. It's not even like 50-50. It's, it's, like you're, you're, it's like one out of ten. And it's hard to be in the minority. Nobody likes to be in the minority. Nobody likes to feel like the majority of everybody I'm around thinks I'm a killjoy. That's what um, Jeremiah felt like. Back up to verse 20. Look at verse, or excuse me, chapter 20. Back up to chapter 20. Just flip the page one. Verse 8. This is Jeremiah. This is, uh, let's start in verse 7. This is just kind of how Jeremiah was feeling at the moment because he's this preacher of righteousness and everybody hates it. And here's what he says to to God calling him to preach Oh Lord, you've deceived me. And I was deceived. You're stronger than I and you've prevailed. I've become a laughing stock all the day. Everyone mocks me, for whenever I speak, I cry out, I shout, violence and destruction. For the word of the Lord has become for me a reproach and a derision all day long. If I say I will not mention Him or speak any more in His name, there is in my heart, as if it were, a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I am weary with holding it in, and I cannot... For I hear many whispering, terror is on every side. Denounce him. Let us denounce him. Say, all my close friends watching for my fall. Perhaps he will be deceived, then we will over, can overcome him and take our revenge on him. But the Lord is with me as a dread warrior. Therefore my persecutors will stumble, they will not overcome me. They will be greatly ashamed, for they will not succeed. Their eternal dishonor will never be forgotten. This is a little bit of an insight into the life of Jeremiah, and I, I just maybe one of the reasons I've uh, hesitated to ever preach this is because it resonates with me so much, and I don't want to sound whiny because I'm not, but I know what this feels like. I really do. It's like lose, 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 lose. You want to be like a coward like everyone else and go to just happy, friendly messages and never tell the truth? Now you're going to have God against you. Don't want that. Okay, so you're going to preach it straight and you're going to preach it true? Now the majority is going to be against you. You're going to be accused. Jeremiah said, it bothered me enough. I got to the place that I thought to myself, I will not never say another word. And then it's like there's a fire in my bones and it's burning and i got to get it out. And it's like, put yourself in his shoes. It's a hard place to be. I've spent a lot of my ministry there. A few years ago, um, I took a break from the Ministerial Alliance here in Derby. And let me say that I love the Ministerial Alliance. I think they're great people. Um, in fact, we're doing the, Christ, the Thanksgiving service here this year, and I'm excited about that. So it's a Tuesday before Thanksgiving, community Thanksgiving service here. We'll have promos about that out soon. But a couple years ago, I, did, I took a break, and, and it wasn't because the people, the, the, the guys were, and that, it wasn't because they were bad people. It's just I felt like a cosmic killjoy all the time. That's what I felt like. Everybody's talking about jokes and stuff. And and then it's like they asked Joplin to talk, and I'm just heavy. I remember sitting around a table, and I can't remember how it got brought up, but I just remember sitting around a table, and I asked everybody there at our ministerial alliance meeting, could you imagine if all the disciples had handled... Uh, uh, hospital visits like we do, showed up with never any anticipation whatsoever of anybody being healed, only trying to disclose a, you know, a duty as a pastor to show up and act like you care and say a prayer that, you know, very classic God, give everybody comfort and let them know if they need anything, you're there for them and you walk out on them. So could you imagine if that's what the Gospels looked like? It's Exactly what I said. And as usual, Joplin sucked the life right out of the room. (laughs) I mean, those guys don't even know how to have conversations like that. I'm not being mean spirited; they just don't, and they don't like it. And there was a part of me that was just like, I just need a break from this. And I remember I went and sat with the president of the group and told him what was going on. And to his, you know, credit, he was like, "Dude, we need you here. We need this. We need it bad." And I uh, just told him I just, I just needed a break. Because it is heavy. It's heavy feeling like no one else is ever going to... Are we ever going to talk about something serious? Are we ever going to get serious about the problems we're facing, the problems our people are facing? Um, I know what it's like to live and feel in that really lonely place. And... At the end of the day, the only driving force has to be this absolute knowledge that Jeremiah had and that every pastor, every teacher, every person God has ever called to be leading in his church needs to know our God is watching us and we will give an account and it does not matter. It, I, I, it's just like the fire shut up in my bones. I wish it would go away because it would be easier. Okay. So let's move. Verse 18. For who among them has stood in the counsel of the Lord to see and hear His Word? Or who has paid attention to His Word and listened? This is the question he's asking about the prophets and priests. The very thing they should be doing, standing in front of God, seeking God for counsel, listening to hear a word from God paying attention to the Word of God so that they can be teaching people not what they want, not what they think, not what they think will move the people a certain direction, but what has God said? I have in my Bible, like, really uh, underlined here and highlighted in a way that makes it stick out, behold the storm of the Lord. I do not want to be on the end of that storm. Wrath has gone forth. A whirling tempest. it it will burst upon the head of the wicked. The anger of the Lord will not turn back until He has executed and accomplished the intents of His heart. In the latter days, you will understand it clearly. I did not send the prophets, yet they ran. I did not speak to them, yet they prophesied. Now look at verse 22. this uh, This is the heart of the entire chapter. You want to know what a good pastor should do? But if they had stood in my counsel, then they would have proclaimed my words to the people. Number one, this is what a good Bible teacher does. He proclaims God's words to the people. They need to know what the Bible says. And look what it does. And they would have turned them from their evil way and from the evil of their deeds. The true pastor turns people away from evil. This is one of the most clear, identifiable marks. If you want to know if you're in a good church, if you want to know if you're sitting under good pastors, if you want to know if a church is good in what it's teaching, the question is, is it turning people away from evil? And so if it's not... If it's doing the reverse of that and really just strengthening people in their evil deeds, making them feel comfortable in their sin. It's a bad church. You need to get out of it. It's a false pastor who's on the wrong side of this thing, who has a storm coming for him one day. This is our goal to turn people away from their evil ways. This is a heavy task. It's not fun. And there there really is a lot of great positive things about the Word of God, but here is the reality. Our flesh nature is so wicked. It's just wicked. So it's not like when we get saved, all of a sudden we only desire good things. We never sin again. We never want to do what's wrong. That's not how it is at all. And because of this nature that is going to be part of the human race until God exonerates us of it and the Lord Jesus Christ comes back and we get glorified bodies, until then, so long as the world is as the world is, people are always going to have this bent to go back towards what's wrong, to be selfish. To be self serving, to be unforgiving, to be bitter, to be angry, to be lustful, to go after what they want. And because of that, ne- it's just it's never, I've been doing it 20 years now. There's never a time when it's like, whew, we all got it, sweet. I can move on now past repent. Never. And it's just, I've had to come to grips with, that's part of the package, it's part of the call, and clear as clear can be here, if I'm standing in the counsel of God, then I will proclaim His word, and in doing so, people will turn from their evil ways. That's the ultimate goal, to get people to turn from their evil ways and from their evil deeds. I am a God at hand, declares the Lord, and not a God far away. Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord? In other words, God is saying, I've heard what the prophets have said. I was there. Don't think that I haven't seen it all. They have lied in my name. Now, I told you this. He says the same thing over and over again. Can you hear the heart of God? He is frustrated here. This is some of the stuff's word for word that he just said a few sentences earlier. They've said, I've dreamed and I have dreamed. How long shall there be lies in the heart of the prophets who prophesy lies and who prophesy the deceit of their own heart? Who think to make my people forget my name by their dreams that they tell one another, even as their fathers forgot my name for Baal? Let the prophet who has a dream tell the dream, but let him who has my word speak my word faithfully. What has straw in common with wheat, declares the Lord? Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? That verse, verse 29, is this ever-important verse for those of us that have been tasked with teaching and preaching the Word of God. Because in your flesh, you know what one of the fears is? Here's one of the fears. Lord, I'd say it, but they ain't going to change. Maybe they won't. Honestly, they didn't do much for Jeremiah. But that's the fear. Like, I'm not, I would say it, God, but like they're not going to hear it, so let's go with some other message today that everybody's going to like. And here's the promise. Now, you've got to trust the power of God's word. I mean, it's like a hammer. That's awesome. And so, what I get to do in this strange way is I get to hide behind the power of God's word. It's like it's between me and you, and you got to deal with it. You can be mad at it all day long, but I'm telling you what it says. I didn't write it, I'm just reading it. I'm telling you what it says. And it's like this hammer that has this ability to break through. Now, brothers and sisters, in our witnessing, we need to know this principle. We need to know what the Word of God says and use the Word of God. It's not about me and my opinion versus yours. It's not about who gets the most heated in the debate over right and wrong and what do you believe about this moral issue and this moral issue. It doesn't matter what I believe. In fact, I don't really have, if we're talking Bible stuff, if we're wanting to talk about, if you're asking my opinion based upon my Christian faith, then I don't even have a right to tell you. All I can tell you is what God said. That's it. And So that's what matters. And here's what God's Word says, and here's where it says it. And you've got to trust that the Word of God is like a hammer that does the work. It breaks the rock in pieces. You think somebody's heart is too hard? You have no idea the power of the Word of God. And I'm man, I just wish I wish I could preach to all the preachers in this nation that if we would trust this, trust it. I know that their hearts are hard, but it's our fault in the first place. We've led them astray. We've strengthened the hardness of their hearts. But you have to trust in the power of God's Word to break that stuff and see that God's Word is the only thing that could possibly lead to change. In all of that, it was not happening. And so here's what God says in verse 30. Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets, declares the Lord, who steal my words from one another. Isn't that a powerful thought that God says when you stand up here and you do this and you speak to the people, what I see that is is as my time. It's not your time. And I see it as my chance to take my words and tell them to the people. That's the job that you are to do. Basically, you're a mailman. You don't write the mail. You deliver it. That's your job. And God says, instead, you took the mail and packaged it away, and you had something better for everybody else. And he, God says, from my perspective, you stole my words. From the very people to whom that they were supposed to go to, it was a gift from me to them. This life-changing, earth-shattering news of my word, which I had for them, you stole that away from them. You robbed them of that and stole my words. Behold, I am against the prophets, he says it again, declares the Lord, who use their tongues and declare, declares the Lord. Behold, I am against those who prophesy lying dreams, declares the Lord, and who tell them and lead my people astray by their lies and their recklessness when I did not send them or charge them. So they do not profit this people at all, declares the Lord. When one of this people or a prophet or a priest asks you, what is the burden of the Lord? You shall say to them, you are the burden of the Lord, and I will cast you off, declares the Lord. We're going to stop with that verse tonight. God tells Jeremiah when one of these people or these prophets come and ask, what's the Lord so burdened about? What's your problem? You look them in the eyes and you tell them, you, you're the problem. You are the one that is burdening the Lord. Man, that is fierce. Yeah. I think possibly part of the reason I've been hesitant to ever in all these years, this was such a precious passage to me. I probably read this passage, I don't know, ten times a year. I pull it out. Not that there's ever been any wavering in me, but it almost just helps reassure me like, okay, okay. And I'm not, I'm not trying to, uh, you know, build myself up tonight. Let me tell you something. You should be thankful for what you have at the well Worship Center. You should be thankful for pastors teachers who teach the Word of God regardless of where the chips fall. Because that's what we're supposed to be doing. It's not happening everywhere. So I want to encourage you to pray for us. I want to encourage you to pray for me. You know, sometimes... um, if you have been blessed with the opportunity to have only needed to sit on this side of the equation, and you come to church and you hear, hear you know, me and others preach, there's often such a, just a false understanding of the heaviness of what we deal with. Um, sometimes the position, while it should be honored, Sometimes it's glorified in a way that is not biblical, and we look at our, uh, especially in the era of social media and, you know, counting followers, we almost look at the position as a rock star position, a position of, uh, it has more to do about being known than anything, and While there are some who see it that way and God help their souls repent before it's too late, I hope that tonight you can see that it's actually a really heavy, I mean it's heavy. It's not, um, from a human point of view, it's not very enjoyable, it's not easy, there's always this temptation to just lighten it up a little bit, just you know don't say it all just try to say it and hope they get it. Beat around the bush so that you can, you know, say that you said it without actually saying it. It doesn't work like that. I mean you gotta just come out and say it sometimes and it's hard. And so I ask that you pray for me. Um I hope that this also helps you to see how to pray for other pastors. We don't just need more pastors, which we do. The pastorate in America is a dying place. It seems as if a coldness has happened in the last 20 years where nobody's being called anymore. Nobody's being called to ministry. Few And I don't know why that is. It actually burdens me. It bothers me. But we need called pastors. We need those that are currently serving to either get out or get right. And you you need to be praying. If we're going to see revival in Derby, Kansas, I'm going to tell you a portion of what is going to have to happen and what you y'all need to be praying for if you're revival praying people is for revival in the pulpit. For God to give a sense of boldness and a sense of just faith to preach what is true to the pastors that are getting up and preaching. That's typically the way that I pray. I don't pray that God would tell them what to pray or you know, preach on this sin, but just God give them a sense of holy boldness. That like Jeremiah, it's like a fire that they just can't get away without saying it. They're gonna have to say it. This is what the Bible says. Make Make us unafraid because you will find the main reason that people divert uh, and that these pastors and the prophets, it's, it's, it's really fear. Fear of being like Jeremiah, fear of not being like, fear of it not working and nobody turning and now everybody's going to be mad at me. And We have got to get beyond that. Our pastors have got to get beyond that.